0: Well, we've been talking about the presence of God uh, last Sunday and today. Um, and uh, I'm a great believer in the, in the presence of God, that we need to be in the presence of God and allow Him to move in our midst and just make room for Him in our, in our lives. And so last week we talked about the fact that, that God is always with us. Theologians use the term omnipresent, which means that God is always everywhere which is of course true, but I want to talk this morning about the specific presence of God when God comes in powerful ways, in ways where another word that theologians use called the manifest presence of God, or, the, or when you can really touch it. Someone defined that word as being uh, touchable or obvious to the eyes or the mind or to the senses. When, when God comes in such a way that you can actually feel and know that He's there in your midst. And I don't know about you, but I've been in lots of places and lots of times when, when you could sense the presence of God so powerfully in that place. We talked last week about Jacob, how he had a, an encounter with God and he saw this vision of angels going up and God spoke to him so powerfully. And he said, he said wow, this is, this is the gate of heaven. This is, this is like God's own house. It was so impacting, impacting on him at that time. But let's talk about the, I'm going to call it the touchable presence of God or the, the presence of God that is very obvious and clear to see and you just know that God is there. What does it look like when you sense that God is in this place? What does it feel like? I remember one time when I was just walking up the steps um, one day, it was actually at New Hope Church where, where we were previously and and uh, I remember walking up the up the steps there one my, I'm not sure it was a morning or a night now but but as I walked up the steps I felt like I was walking into the presence of God. It was so obvious and so real and so, I use the word tangible which means touchable. It's like you could touch it. The presence of God was so real in that place at that time. That's the first thing. you can You can sense and know that God is in this place. Secondly, you'll almost always you'll see in those times when god makes his presence real like that you'll you'll see a, a, an increase of the supernatural you'll see miracles happen you'll see signs and wonders happen because the presence of god is powerfully in that place it's easy to be healed it's easy to get filled with the spirit of god it's easy to be to be filled up with god in those times often you'll see in those times a release of faith it's easy to believe in God because it's just everywhere. God's presence is so real in those places. There's a release of faith in there. You'll see people being healed. You'll see people being set free from controlling powers. You'll see a release of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like prophecy and, and the gifts of healings and working of miracles, all those things talked about in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. You'll see people responding to God for salvation. You'll see people wanting more of God in those times. And I remember another time, one Sunday night, when I was, I think I was leading the worship at that time. And I wasn't preaching then, but the senior pastor was away and I was just there. And, and we began to worship God. And there was, again, such a, an amazing presence of God came that filled that place. And it was so obvious and real and I I just knew that we needed to give an opportunity for people to respond and so so I did I said look look God is really here tonight and if you want to reach out to God and have him touch your life in some way I just invited people to come to the front and we were going to pray for them the only trouble is they got out of their seats and started to come to the front but people were falling in the aisles they could not get to the front And I I tell you, there were a number that did get to the front and and God really met them in in a powerful way on that night. But uh, when I saw that, I said, wow, this this is incredible. They fell in there. No one touched them. No one prayed for them. They just couldn't get to the front. There was an amazing sense of God's presence. And when that happens you'll see a, a, a boldness come in people because fear is dispelled and whenever fear is gone, it's replaced with boldness, the boldness of God, the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And look, I've been, I guess, privileged in my life because I've been in, in church life most of my life and, and I've been privileged to, to go through a, a number of seasons where I've seen God move like in waves and, and I've seen the presence of God come in, in numbers of times in waves like that. God moving powerfully in people's lives and, and in my life as well. I've seen alcoholics with a, a generations-long history of alcohol abuse radically transformed by the power of God. And within, within a, a couple of years, end up in Bible college and end up serving God in a church somewhere in, in Christian ministry. Uh, I've seen people, I've seen blind eyes opened when I've prayed for them, actually. I've seen cripples instantly healed and people regarded as beyond medical help, totally restored by the power of God. When these things happen to you, it has an irreversible effect on your life. You could say it marks you for life. It does. It marks you in some way. So what I want to do this morning is just talk about some examples from the Bible of when God moved in a powerful way or, or when people experienced the presence of God. And uh, I just want us to encourage us this morning about the presence of God. In fact, what I want us to do is my purpose in this message this morning is so that we can be ready for the presence of God. Because I know that God wants to move mightily in our midst. We might be small initially, but that doesn't mean anything. God wants to move mightily in your life. And it's always a personal thing. It's always an individual thing. It's not about what God does corporately. It's about what God does in your heart and in my heart. He wants to move mightily in you and in me. I'm going to mention some examples from the Old Testament here, from the life firstly of Moses. In Exodus 33 there's a, a great prayer or, or a conversation between Moses and God and and they've come out of Egypt, they've been in slavery and bondage and God has rescued them by an incredible series of miracles and they're out in the desert and Moses is talking to God and he's saying, God I need you to go with us. God was going to lead them to the promised land, the place that he had reserved for them that he wanted to give to the nation of Israel and, and uh, for it to be a, a place for them to dwell and prosper and be blessed and um, the people of Israel they had they had a lot of problems you might have read about some of their problems in the Bible in the Old Testament and um, and Moses was saying to God, God I need you to go with us He said, God if you don't go with us, then don't take us up to the promised land leave us right here we don't want to go anywhere unless your presence goes with us because God would have actually been threatening to not go with them. they were that rebellious and that bad anyway. Moses says to God, if you aren't going with us, please don't make us leave this place. We don't want to go anywhere without your presence. He knew the power and the significance and the value of the presence of God being with them. And then he said, Otherwise, what else will distinguish us from all other people on the face of the earth? How will anyone know that we are different unless God, unless you are with us? We're just going to be like some other wandering tribe of people and i just thought about that verse it's it's so valuable what what distinguishes a church from a soccer club or a footy club or some other kind of social club or some other business training group or what is it that distinguishes a church Friend, it's got to be the presence of God. It can't be that we've got great music. And I, I want to tell you, I really believe and I pray for, and we already have great music, I think, and I really appreciate what Matt's doing. And we've got wonderful music already. And I pray that God will give us amazing musicians and all of that. But you know what? I don't want to be distinguished just because of our great music or our great worship. We can have that. It's wonderful. And I believe for that. I don't want to be distinguished by that. Uh, We can be a church, and it's it's in my heart, that we'll be a church that has community impact by doing things in the community. I, I I want us to be that as a church. But I don't want us to be distinguished just by that. I want us to be distinguished because the presence of God is in our midst. That people can come in through that door, wherever the door, whatever building we're in, and just know that God is in the midst of His people. That's what I want us to be distinguished by. Second example of the presence of God is about the dedication of Solomon's temple. and This is so powerful. In 2 Chronicles, you can read about it, chapter 5, 2 Chronicles 5. It says there that, that um, King David had planned to build a, a temple for the people of God or for the presence of God and it ended up being his son, Solomon, that built it. And it says there that the day came when that they were to dedicate this building for the glory of God, for the present, so that God could dwell in, in that building. And it says that the Levites, who were musicians, and all their sons and brothers stood on the east side of the altar. They weren't really sort of gender equal in those days. It doesn't say about ladies or women, but we, we will have... Female musicians as well and song leaders and all, all of that. So but they stood on the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres and harps. You know what a lyre is, it's just one of those like a harp kind of a thing. They uh, playing that, all these instruments and they were joined by 120 priests playing trumpets. Can you imagine 120 priests playing trumpets accompanied by cymbals, trumpets and other instruments? This would have been a pretty amazing big band I guess, would you call it a big band? Whatever, they had everything. Whatever you could get, they had. I was singing and and they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Now we sing songs that are just like that today. We sing the same kind of words and we're going to keep on singing them because God is good. His faithful love or His mercy endures forever. We're never going to stop singing those words and declaring His praises. Let's read what happened when they did that. At that moment, when they all joined together, singing and clam- clanging those cymbals and blasting those trumpets, when they did that all together as one, it says that at that moment a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now, to me, this is like the arch- archetype or or the uh, the ultimate. Uh, illustration of the presence of God when the presence of God comes so so profoundly and powerfully into a building that you can't even stand up you just you're on the floor before God because just his you you can't even stand in his presence now I know I I just love this verse and it's been uh, when I first read this many years ago it just impacted me then and and I know I guess I've been in some places a bit like this at times when the presence of God is so profound and and, uh, I I want us to recognise the presence of God when He comes and be able to respond appropriately and be able to prepare ourselves for that because the presence of God He wants to bring in our midst is very real. They fell down. And you know, there's a lot of cases in the Bible when people fell down, under, when God's presence came so powerfully, like the Apostle Paul, when he was at his conversion on the, on the road to Damascus, he saw a blinding light. He fell to the ground. And there's many, many other cases where that happened in the Bible. So we shouldn't think it anything unusual when God touches someone and they fall over. Don't think there's something unusual about that. It's actually quite normal. It's quite normal. Uh, when, when God's presence and power comes over someone and impacts them so deeply, they can't actually stand up under the weight of that, of God's glory. We could talk more about that and we will in, in future. Then let's come to the New Testament and talk about the miracles of Jesus because I I just I just love this passage in in Luke chapter five it talks about a time when Jesus was was in a certain place and it says that the, the religious leaders the Pharisees and the religion teachers were gathered together in that one place. They were all sitting around in this house. And it was obviously, a, it, was, it was packed to the doors. There was just no, there was only standing room in the middle somewhere. Jesus was right there It says, and they were all, the house was full of people. I don't know, maybe a hundred people. It was just full of people. And there were a lot of people there hungry wanted to hear more of what Jesus had to say. But there was also a lot of religion teachers there and legalistic Pharisee kind of people. They were there checking out Jesus to see whether or not He would make some mistake, whether He would say some word that they could use to accuse Him of. And it says this, I love what it says. It says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Or the healing power of God was on Him on that day. I love that. The healing power of God was on Jesus on that day. I also love what it says elsewhere in the New Testament where it says, Jesus said that the same works that I do, you'll do the same and greater because I go to the Father. So just because the healing power of God was on Jesus doesn't mean to say it's not on you and me. We can have the same thing. We can experience the same thing in our lifetime. So there's no doubt. I'll just finish that little story. What happened is there was a guy came in who was a paraplegic. He didn't walk in. He was brought on a stretcher, a man on a, on a stretcher. And they couldn't get in. There was just no way they could get in. They knew if they could get this man in front of Jesus, he'd be healed. So they they climbed up on the roof in those Middle Eastern kind of houses. They had a, a roof on top. And they broke open the roof somehow. Just imagine all this stuff falling down in the middle of the crowd and bits of mud and whatever was falling down, but they made a hole big enough to let this guy on ropes down on the stretcher right in front of where Jesus was. They figured out where he was, broke up in a hole and dropped him down right there. And Jesus said to this man, these remarkable words said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. (laughs) He didn't say, you know, Lay hands on him and say, "In the name of Jesus, be healed." He said, "Son, your sins are forgiven you." Well, when that happened, the Pharisees and the religious people they just went off because they were saying, "What right does he have? Just amongst themselves, what right does he have to forgive sins? Only God can do that." They were whispering and going on, saying, "Why he shouldn't do that? You can't forgive sins." And Jesus said, "He knew exactly what was going on, and he said." Why all this gossipy whispering going on among yourselves? Do you think only only God can forgive sins? But just so that you know that the Son of Man Himself has power on earth to forgive sins and to heal. And he says to the he says to the the um, the man with the, the paraplegic. He said to him, Rise and take up your bed and walk. And he got up in the midst of everybody and made his way through the crowd. He said, and he took up his bed and he went home. And this was just an amazing thing that happened, an incredible thing that happened. And I want us just to talk about, just briefly, say this. There's no doubt that a significant healing miracle took place right then and there. And I've been in some meetings where almost things of the same order have happened. And it's just incredible when you see these things happen. But here's the point. Was it only because the healing power of God was on Him? Or or was that something that could be done at some other time? Was it always like that? Does it mean that the only time we can see a miracle take place is when there's some special, touchable, tangible sense of God's presence? Shouldn't we ever just pray for someone when when, when the need presents? That's a very important question we have to ask and answer ourselves. What about when you don't feel anything? What about when it's just down to a, a raw belief that God said He will do what He said He would do? What about when it's just that, when you're just trusting your raw faith? You know, there's a lot of times when Jesus asks someone to use their faith to trigger a miracle. Like one another day, he was in the, the Jewish meeting place there. And again, it was a lot of religious people around and there. And, uh, and there was a man there who had a crippled hand. had been crippled for a long time. And, and um, Jesus wanted to heal this guy. And uh, he said to him, come and stand out here in front where everyone can see you. Maybe there was, I don't know, it was a crowd of people there. Come and stand out front. And Because he knew that the religious people wouldn't want that to be done on the Sabbath day. Because it was the Sabbath, which is their holy day, as, as they had. And um, he looked around them and it says he was actually angry. Because he knew they didn't want him to do this healing miracle. And he said, is it right well, he said, what, what suits the Sabbath, helping people or leaving them helpless? And he looked around, looked him in the eye. I'm not looking at anyone here because I, I know you're not like this. But <laughs> he, looked, he looked him in the eye and he said, and he said <laughs> it says he was angry and he looked him in the eye. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And it was instantly healed. Well, the amazing thing about it was that man had to do something first. He had to stretch out his hand first to receive the healing that Jesus so wanted to to give and to minister to him at that time. Very often there's a, a time when someone's faith was needed to trigger a miracle as well. So God honours faith when we step out. That's the point of this. God honours faith when we step out. And I don't doubt that there are seasons and specific times when God moves in remarkable ways. I've probably been through, I think in my lifetime, five extended seasons of waves of God's you know, revival, power and anointing when perhaps a couple of years, the church was just carried in some wave of God's presence. It was just incredible. But it's not always like, you don't always see that. What we need to do is step out in obedience to God uh, whenever the opportunity presents and just do what He says. What about Jesus' promise where He said, I'll be with you as you go. What about Mark 16 verse 20? It says that signs will follow the preaching of the Word. Whenever the Word of God is preached, that there is meant to be supernatural evidence of that uh, in the lives of people. What about Peter stepping out of the boat? You know, he was the only one. It's interesting that Peter, all the disciples of Jesus were in the boat and Jesus was over there. He was walking on the water. and, uh, And, you know, Jesus said, you know, come. And Peter was the only one that got out of the boat and he was the only one that walked on water beside Jesus. Incredible. So the others could have done the same. But when he stepped out in faith, he saw a miracle, an amazing miracle take place in his life. God honours faith when we step out. And lastly, I want to talk just for a moment about the day of Pentecost. It's 50 days after Jesus was crucified. It says that the disciples, and there was a number of them by that time, about 120, gathered in a a room... And it says that while they were there praying and waiting because Jesus had said, Don't leave Jerusalem until you are endued with supernatural power or until the power of God fully comes upon you. And so it says there that that, uh, as they were waiting, And just waiting upon God, suddenly it says there was a mighty rushing wind or a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm filled the house where they were sitting. And what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in supernatural languages as the Spirit of God enabled them to do that. So it was, an, it was an absolutely incredible time. And following that, there were just an amazing supernatural signs as the Holy Spirit was poured out in the early church at that time. It was followed by the most concentrated period of the supernatural up to that point. Thousands of people were swept into the kingdom of God and believed in Jesus Christ. I was, I was reading in Acts chapter 5, I think the other day, and it says that, Uh, Peter and John had been called up before the the religious leaders and commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus and said that they they whipped them and and sent them away and said, don't you ever do that again. Anyway, the next morning, the very next morning, they were out preaching again in the name of Jesus. And it says... uh, it says that when they heard about it, the religious leaders, they called, they said to the police, go and get them and call them in, you know. So they, they went and got them and, and, and brought them in for questioning again. But it, but it says it, it was too late because thousands had already believed the message. In fact, 5,000 had already believed the message. It was too late. They'd already believed. And that, that's the sort of thing that was happening. It was, there was so much energy in, in the message of God, message about Jesus at that time. Healing miracles were an everyday occurrence. Amazing, special miracles it talks about. So look, I want us to say this, this morning as, we, as I'm bringing this to a close now, I just want us to be ready for God to move in our midst. I want us to be ready for God to move. That so when we come together, that we are open to the supernatural, that we are open to the presence of God, that we're encouraging that in our midst, that we are saying to God, God, I want you to move in my life today. And we're we're just praying into that and and believing for that. You know, the time might come when God moves supernaturally in our midst and uh, if there's people responding for prayer, you know, every one of us here might be needed to come to the front and pray with someone. Maybe it's possible. I want us to be ready for God to move in our midst. I I love this verse in the Old Testament, just as we finish... Where it says this, it says, "Plow up your fallow ground, or the unused parts of your life, the unused parts or places in your heart." And it means just get ready for the rain of God's Spirit, the rain of God's presence to fall upon you. Plow up those unused parts of your life and say, God, whatever parts of my life maybe have been used for some other purpose in the past, maybe I've maybe I've, I haven't really dedicated my life to you, but I want to be ready for you to move. I want you to do something in my life, something supernatural, something amazing in my life. Plough up that fallow ground of your hearts and be ready for the rain of God's Spirit to fall on you. And just be saying, God, I'm ready for you. God, I'm ready for what you want to do in my life. Why don't we pray as we bring this to a close this morning. Father, I pray for each person here today. Lord, that each one of us will be ready for you to move In our hearts. I know, Lord, that you want to touch individual lives. I know that you want to do something incredible in our hearts and in our midst and even through the church. But, Lord, it starts with individuals. And I know, Lord, you want to do something amazing in my life and each life gathered here this morning. So, Father, I just pray for open hearts and ready hearts to be willing to respond to God as you lead us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Amen.